All right, good morning. Checking if my mic is working. So I'm, I'm saying stuff. Thank you. So uh, before I start, uh, Pastor Kevin wanted me to share with you all, y'all, all y'all, about um, the ministry of Bayview at the Guam National Guard. It's, uh, or the, as lovingly sometimes it's called the Gung. Yeah, anyway. All right, so Bayview Church at the Guam Guard. Uh, there is a, I've been at Bayview for a while. I was in the youth ministry and then also in the, uh, what else? Yeah, youth ministry, then worked, uh, volunteered there. And then uh, I was endorsed by Bayview to go to seminary. And then after coming back from seminary, I was also like, Bayview helped me get ordained and then also was hired by Bayview. So basically a lot of Bayview, you know. And then now I'm here in the uh, Guam National Guard, the Guam uh, Army particularly. So how does Bayview uh, support the ministry to the Guam Guard? Well, for one, again, they endorsed me and I was able to be uh, trained through here. Also worked at Bayview as well. So there's a photo that, uh, up on yeah, active duty. I helped the uh, support um, active duty army. Yeah. And then uh, also, you know, through prayers and, and counseling. So it's a great honor and a privilege to serve those in uniform. And uh, also there's like prayer breakfasts. And interestingly, interestingly enough, uh, you know, people from Bayview have spoken at the prayer breakfast. Uh, some guy named Melcher. Um, well, I think we'll be preaching next week. All right. So uh, next one, uh, other ministries through the... Um, through partnership with Bayview is providing diapers. Diapers to those who um, uh, were displaced like moms and children uh, after Typhoon Marwar. And then also soldiers were displaced after Typhoon Marwar as well, uh, providing them with like stoves, portable stoves and igloos and those kind of things. So that's, that's part of it. And the next one, next slide. Uh, oh, we also partner and share um, backpacks with a Harvest House on your left. Uh, yeah, your left, yeah. Harvest House, and then um, also gave backpacks to um, the children, uh, some children of the, the National Guard through the family programs. So Bayview uh, engages, you know, its core values, right, right, Christ, community, culture. Can't see through that. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, culturally, uh, Bayview engages um, uh, with its community. So I just wanted to share that with you about how Bayview's, uh, uh, I'm partnering with Bayview and, and how they've, uh, they've helped out. Uh, also just to share some prayer requests, right? Uh, some prayer requests, number one and number one there is that number one, that we do get uh, chaplains. And if you have a undergrad and you wanna be a chaplain candidate, please see me after service. Also, um, oh, they, they changed it. Uh, number two, the gospel of Jesus Christ to be lived and spoken. I think that's one of the, the key things about uh, seeking to engage our community uh, and seeking to uh, declare and glorify Christ uh, wherever we are. So we're gonna transition. Since I gave you like a missionary kind of overview, we're gonna transition to this and then we're gonna go into the message. Uh, for that transition, we will pray. 
So uh, please join me in prayer. Our good, eternal, and ever-present and mighty Father God, uh, we thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ and seek for all to know, cherish, and believe. We ask you, Lord, for those that, that serve in our armed forces, uh, all the branches, we pray for them and their families. Uh, may you be with them. Give them grace always. Lead them not into temptation. Keep them, deliver them from evil. And may goodness and mercy uh, follow them all the days of their lives until into eternity. We pray all these things by the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So why are you here? Rhetorical, right? Why are you here? Um, what are you doing here? I think that's important to ask these questions. Uh, maybe this morning you may be feeling that God is absent in your life, or that maybe God is uh, far away uh, from your presence. This morning's, this morning's message focuses on Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 1 through 9, and honestly, some parts of it as well. So if you can turn on, you could flip through uh, your Bible, uh, please turn to Jeremiah chapter 29, uh, verses 1 through 9. So where are we in terms of the biblical story, right? First, there's like the exodus from Egypt, and they go into um, Israel, the land there, and they conquer, and there's a point of judges, and then there's kings. After kings, things kind of, you know, go downhill. After kings, they start to disobey. And they do not fulfill the covenant that Moses had made for them. And because of this disobedience, because of this rebellion, because of this um, not honoring God's word, uh, God causes nations to conquer and attack Israel. First part is like Assyrians, and now we are in the period of the Babylonians. So I'm going to show a map, but it's not very clear, but at least there's, yeah, hopefully it'll help out. So there's a map here of the um, Jerusalem on the left. Alex, can you? Thank you. So uh, Jerusalem is on your left, and then Babylon is on the right. So basically, we're in the period of time in which there is judgment upon Israel for their sins, for, for their disobedience. And the Babylonians take the people from Jerusalem and they travel like a rainbow, uh, anyway, rainbow type of journey uh, through the, um, it's called the Fertile Crescent. It's a long journey, it's arduous, no planes, no trains, no cars, and it's a long journey for them. But who are these people being displaced. And so we go to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 1 through 3, and we see uh, who are these individuals. Uh, this is the letter in which uh, Jeremiah writes uh, to these exiles. Uh, so there's going to be some interesting names. So here we go. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests and the prophets and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King 
Jeconiah and the queen mother and the eunuchs and the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of Safhan, and Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Interesting. Does anybody remember the, the three dudes, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? So those guys were also part of this exile, right? And so sitting here in comfortable air conditioning, I'm wondering, like, how can I communicate exile to you all, right? I think uh, most recently in the past, uh, a friend of mine mentioned that maybe one of the closest things to uh, uh, exile is the, during COVID, right? During COVID, we kind of felt this idea of um, separation from each other. We could not even see our loved ones uh, at the hospital uh, on their deathbed. We had masks on and we couldn't even like, is there, are they smiling? Are they, are they angry? What, you know, there's this type of exile that even though we're in close proximity, even though uh, you know, we have all this technology, we still felt separated. A more recent example of exile is maybe the idea of uh, after Typhoon Marwar. After Typhoon Marwar, right? There was no water, no power, right? There was no, oh man, no Wi-Fi. And then, but wait, wait, you got two more. No cell service, right? And then you even have, you didn't have fuel either. So that was Marwar. Like, I felt like I was an exile in my own home. Because, you know, after work, you're like, whew, work was, whew. I'm going to go home, going to relax. I'm going to turn on TV, turn on the air conditioner, you know, and I'm going to relax. But no, you couldn't relax in your own home. There was like mold growing in your <laughs> So that felt a little bit like an exile, even in our own homes. And so... The reason for the exile um, uh, this morning, maybe you could relate to this, is that uh, the Jewish people um, committed sins, right? And they uh, did not obey God's word. But I was also thinking, uh, do you think, it's kind of an argument from silence, but I would be careful to say that all of them sin, right? Some of them Maybe didn't sin, but they were just still part of the exile. So this morning, wherever you are, maybe, you know, you just PCS'd over here. It's like, man, it's a rock, right? Or you are in a place that you don't feel like you're welcome or a place in which you don't feel that God is present. Maybe this message is for you. And so we look at who is in exile, right? We know where they are. They're in a place foreign. You know, they're in a place where it's not the same language. It's not the same culture. They're, they didn't really want to be there, uh, for sure, right? And they were in a place that, uh, honestly, it's like they were with enemies. And so what does God command them to do? What does God want them to do? But before we go to what, let's go tackle about who, right? Let's go back to the verse. Verse 2, this was after the 
King Jeconiah, the queen mother, the eunuchs, the officials. So these were individuals that were exiled, and they were like, wait, the queen was exiled? The, the eunuchs, the officials, right? These were pe people that were, you know, well-educated. These were people that were well-connected, but yet they were exiled. If you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and even Daniel, right, as they were exiled, these people were the top tier. They were the people that were most educated in their society. And as Babylon would have it, Babylon seeks to try and assimilate all these individuals into their culture. Verse 2 continues, it says, craftsmen and metal workers. So if you think about it, all these individuals that were moved, that were exiled, were not uh, people of low status, but they were people that were skilled. And so this morning, expounding on the idea of exile, in the Hebrew it's like, well, it's when you're, you feel vulnerable, right? Wherever you are this morning, maybe you're in a place of vulnerability, feeling a little naked, feeling that you were carried away and displaced. And what does God want you to do, even though you are in that situation? So we go and jump forward a little bit, uh, two verses, three verses. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7. Jeremiah 29, uh, verse 7. It says, seek the welfare of the city. Again, it says, seek the welfare of the city. So what does it mean to seek? It means that you need to think about what you're going to do. It means that you need to engage, you need to research, you need to um, find out, you need to think about how you're going to engage um, and make peace in the city. Uh, you saw the, the photos about the, the backpacks and the diapers and the, all that, right? I was talking to a chaplain recently, and we're like, hey, you know, let's go reach out to uh, these people over here. And uh, let's, let's try to, to uh, engage them and help them. It's like, and we're talking, it's like, diapers don't work. Yeah, diapers won't reach those people. And then maybe uh, I was like thinking Thanksgiving ham. It's like, probably that won't work either. And then also the idea of... Uh, uh, backpacks. Eh, I don't think backpacks would help either. So as we think about this engagement that God calls us, right, seek the welfare of the city. We need to not just uh, breeze through it. We need to, to be intentional about um, what it means. So in the, um, in the English language, which is my second language, uh, there's like the, in, there's the interrogative, right? If a sentence is like a question, declarative, indicative. Uh, and, um, but this sentence here is an imperative. So what is an imperative? An imperative is a command. So this is a command that is told to us or that we can apply to our lives. Seek the welfare of the city. Seek the welfare of the city. One interesting thing about seeking the welfare of the city that you have to think about, you have to think through. I was looking for an illustration to best describe this. And going back to 2022, uh, there's a church in Ukraine. 
there's a church in Ukraine and they are thinking about this war that might eventually happen, right? And so this pastor, he is struggling with the idea and he's, you know, the article is from the Gospel Coalition and the title is To Stay and Serve Why We Didn't Flee Ukraine. So let me read the article. We believe the church is a place of spiritual struggle. As tensions have risen, our church announced a week of fasting and prayer, gathering every night to bring our requests to God. For three days now, uh, the lights of the city have been turned off. We were forced to meet in the dark, adding a solemn atmosphere to our prayer for peace. Going down a little bit more to the article. And while the church may not fight like the nation, we still believe we have a role to play in this struggle. We will shelter the weak, serve the suffering, and mend the broken. And as we do, we offer the unshakable hope of the gospel of Christ. While we may feel helpless in the face of such crisis, we can pray like Esther. While Ukraine is not like Israel, um, and not like gov uh, the covenant people, our hope is that the Lord, Lord will remove the danger as he did for his ancient people. And as we stay, we pray the church in Ukraine will faithfully trust the Lord and serve our neighbors. So I think this illustrates the idea on, on how a pastor tries to seek to bring peace uh, to his city. And so what, is, what does it mean to seek um, the welfare of the city? I kind of gave a hint already, right? In the verse, in verse 29, let me read the entire, um, uh, chapter 29, verse 7. But seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. Now as you think about the passage, right, when you hear welfare, what do you think? So when I was in school, seminary, my wife and I, uh, we were uh, eligible for, uh, for WIC, right? The, the baby formulas? Yeah, thank you. And it was like $29, $27 for the, for the thing. That was 13 years ago. My son's 13 now, so that was like, that was a long time ago. I don't know how, it, how much it is now, but that's not exactly what this passage is talking about. It's not about the WIC program or the SNAP program. Welfare in the Jewish culture is uh, peace, right? So the word for welfare here in Hebrew is shalom. Shalom. Did everybody say that? Shalom. Right? One, two, three. Shalom. So uh, Steve did it again this morning. When you say good morning in Tagalog, it's, uh, or Filipino, whichever. Anyway, say magandang umaga. Magandang umaga. Does anybody know what the literal translation of magandang umaga means? Beautiful morning. All right, beautiful morning. Half a day, what does that mean? Come on. Half a day, Malik. How are you, right? So, I know, it's kind of weird asking you guys for, for answers, but anyway. So, half a day, how are you? Magandang umaga is beautiful morning. Shalom is actually a Hebrew greeting. You say that to one another. And shalom means peace. 
but is peace just the cessation of hostility? Uh, peace means uh, not just peace, but prosperity, success, welfare, a state of health, friendliness, deliverance, salvation. Right? Can you imagine reading the verse that way? It's like, but seek the peace, prosperity, welfare, state of uh, deliverance, salvation for the city. For in its peace, salvation, um, wholeness, you too will find your peace, salvation, and wholeness. That's why it's really important that we know about the idea of peace here in um, in Jeremiah 29, uh, verse 7. So, in terms of peace, right? In terms of peace, the question now is, what's the next word in the, uh, the verse is the city. Uh, the city. So, um, next slide, please. There you go. Anybody know what that is? Guam, all right, woo! Participation. All right, Guam, uh, a southern photo from the, uh, the south, right? From, yeah, from the south, uh, Cocos Island. Anybody been to Cocos Island? It's really great. Anyway. All right, um, so I think that's, that's your city. Right? I know it's like 150,000 people, but in Old Testament, that's, that's kind of a city. So who here has, uh, has driven out of this parking lot through there and then exit, exited out that way? I'm sure all of us, right? I'm actually, we're going to do that later on in about you know, a short while. We're going to drive out here and exit. Does anybody ever notice that sign out there on the left side? There's this, this sign. I wish I, I was able to put it up, but it goes, it goes like this. Seek. You'll notice it, just for safety reasons, park. Don't, uh, like, <laughs> uh, seek the good of the island where I have sent you. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its success, you will find your blessing. You'll notice, though, on that sign, it doesn't say Jeremiah 29, verse 7. Uh, Pastor Kevin didn't want to, like, you know, you don't want to have to explain that it's not a, like an ESV translation or NLT. But anyway, he still gets the, uh, the message across. So in terms of uh, Christ, community, and culture, in Bayview, we do seek to impact the island of Guam. And really, you know, where, where is the city? I mean, maybe you're the city that we're talking about that doesn't feel comfortable, that you feel like you're in exile, that doesn't seem to be God's will in your life, that you think is maybe a judgment upon your life, is your work. You know? Maybe. I don't know. I haven't asked anybody. But maybe it could be your work. You know, maybe you feel exiled to your work. Maybe you feel exiled to your home. I, I know that that it's difficult at times, right? You know, for me, sometimes when I, when I go home and I'm like after work, right, go home, I go in the park. When I park, I park for a little bit. <laughs> so I have four kids and a wife and, you know, I love them. But it's like, man, work was difficult. I want to go park here. 
for like five, ten minutes, gather myself, and um, you know, prepare to uh, to help my wife and to love my children. Right. So home life is not perfect for sure. Community, maybe that is your city. Right. Seek the peace, the salvation of your work. Man, I don't know. But maybe you're thinking like your home, uh, your community, your neighbor, uh, your region. So with all of this and these ideas, um, it really is something that you, I hope, can converse with others, right? Even that, that idea of trying to bless the, another group of individuals with a chaplain, it takes effort. It just is not automatic, like I know exactly what they need. You know, I think it, it changes, honestly. It changes from time to time. Um, right now, I'm, uh, I'm teaching uh, my son, Andrew, uh, you know, the multiplication. What's one times one? I think we're getting one times. So one times a million, you know, he's got that. You know, we got one times something. So we're still working on two times something. And uh, we're using Cheerios. You know, so this is a group of two. One times two, two times two groups. So I think that's one way of bringing uh, peace, success, salvation, and health to, to my home. Uh, the next one is in verse 29. Pray. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. Now you have to, again, right, the, the, not juxtapose, the, the audacity, right, of the letter is like, you have come into enemy territory. First, you're going to seek the good of the city, and now you're going to pray for these people that you are like, maybe your enemies, right? It's really like, where is this? It's in Jeremiah. It's the middle of the Bible. Like, what is God thinking? Really? Like, pray for our enemies? Pray on their behalf. Like, oh, I don't know. They don't pray. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Reminds me of uh, the chaplaincy. I don't know if they pray. <laughs> uh, but we still pray for those who don't pray. We pray for those that don't seek after God. We basically stand and intervene and intercede for individuals uh, that even though God's judgment is upon their lives, we make that stand. And it's a challenge. I mean, I'm sure the Israelites were thinking, man, these people that we're in, that, that I'm engaged with, these guys are evil. I, I don't know if we should really be praying for them. I think I'm going to pray for their like destruction. But really, in the verse, verse 7, it says, it says, but seek the welfare of the city. Seek the peace of the city where I have sent you. Into exile. Right? By the way, that that is like a, that verse that right there is like saying that it is God who caused you to, to be there, to be in exile. That's, that's, that's rough, quite honestly. You know, like if you think about it, God used a nation to fulfill his purpose, to bring people into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. But why? Why? Right? And we see a little glimpse of it in the, in the next section, which is 
for in its welfare, for in its peace, for in its salvation, for in its deliverance, for in its um, wholeness and soundness, you too will find your peace, your welfare, your soundness, your salvation, your completeness, your wholeness. I don't think it's all about karma, but it's really an interesting uh, piece of information in that verse, right? Again, going back to the verse, it says, but seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile, into uncomfortableness, into nakedness, into vulnerability, and pray to the Lord on their behalf, your enemies. For in your enemies' welfare, in your you know, not-so-nice workspace, you will find your own peace. It's like, wow, that requires a lot of faith. So how are we to do this? What are the practical ways in which we can go about this one? And let's, we'll go back to the first, uh, not first, but verses 5 and verse 6. Verse 5 and verse 6. Build houses, live in them, plant gardens, and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. Wow. So I don't think we can do that in three years, right? Two years, 10 years, 20 years. So this is where there's a rub, is that they were told, so there's some other prophets telling the, the people in exile, oh, you're going to be here for like, you know, 10 years max, five years max, I'm assuming. But really, God is telling them, you're going to be here for 70 years. So he's telling them to invest, right, to, to take time to invest in relationships, to spend, to, to risk. It, it really is, a, it's almost like a plan, right? Build houses. Okay, I built my house. All right, live in them. Okay, I'm living in the house. And then I want to plant outside. Okay, I'm planting. And then whatever it produces, so in its season, I'm going to harvest and eat it. So that's like at least, what, a year, two years. And then take on wives. I'm going to get married. And then we're going to have children. And then those children will grow up. And those children will get married. And they after getting married, we'll have their own children. Can you imagine that idea? That it's like, so you're telling me this is going to be for a long time. I don't know what God's will for in your life, right? I'm not, um, I don't know if he wants you to get married now here on Guam. You know, I'm just, but the implications are that there is this idea of longevity, right? This idea of investment, this idea of relational engagement, right? You're not just there to like breeze through. Like I'm getting out of here anyway, so never mind. Breeze through. So build, live, plant, take, multiply, and do not decrease. That's maybe what God's will is for you while you're here. Even though you think that this season is difficult, even though you think that you're suffering, even though you think that 
whoever is with you doesn't deserve God's grace. This is a challenge, a command from God's word. But I also want to be careful here, right? This morning, I don't want you to think of just, you know, man, the message today was like, hustle, hustle, like, do more, like, do things more, grander. For the next verse, uh, next slide, uh, comes from a book that I've been reading this week and says, our time in our life and our attention is the doorway to our hearts. So, and it's, it's related to Jeremiah 29, 13, which we'll talk about later, but now that you're here, wherever you are, even though it's uncomfortable, we have to be careful about the intent. You know, is it really to go out and start building a house? I think the, you know, I was on Instagram. Instagram and uh, from Salt and Light Instagram, the median house on Guam is $478,000 for a home. So that's maybe not what God wants you to do with your life and buy a home on Guam. Maybe it's time to invest more in not a house, but in your home while you're on Guam. If you think about it, uh, for those of you who have PCS, uh, you kind of don't have the same time zone as in the States, right? You don't, the, the sports doesn't really coincide with the schedule. Maybe God wants you to spend more time with God or spend more time with your family, right? Maybe that's what God wants you to do. Just a suggestion. In building your homes, right, even in exile, uh, what can you plant? You know, I think the illustration with uh, my son, you know, helping him with his homework, I think that's important. Um, I know that sometimes, you know, again, Raising a family is not easy, you know, working really hard, and then you come home and you want to relax, but you have to engage. You have to be intentional about how you uh, live your life. And so maybe planting, um, engaging with your children, your spouse, you know, maybe taking that time. Maybe that's how you, God wants you to, um, to plant now. Our time in our life, our time in our life and our attention is the doorway to our hearts. So confession, this morning I was scrolling through the phone and I'm like, man, I'm going to share that uh, we have to be careful about our attention and where we spend it, you know. And yeah, I confess that so that I could encourage you that it's something that we all need to, to work on. Our attention is our life, right? Screen time, you know, attention time. It's really the doorway to our hearts. Uh, maybe that's why God's not able to get to you is because it's filled with a lot of noise, uh, a lot of entertainment, a lot of 
you know, junk. And again, like I said, I too, you know, like don't look at the phone when you wake up. Don't look at the phone. So anyway, trying, and I recommend the book too. So with all this exile idea, with all this idea of like having sinned, uh, God, re you know, rejects you, there's judgment, this idea of like, man, you were moved because you sinned and now you're in this exile and now you are, you know, in a place that's with your enemies. What's God's purpose? In the latter part of the passage, there's these really um, loving words, I might say. Um, and we're going to go through, uh, just breeze through it a little bit. So in verse 10, now we'll go to verse 10, it says, so this is right, we, were, we, we reviewed verse 7, we reviewed verse 5, 6, 7, so we're going to skip to verse 10. So it's still the same letter. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, for peace, same word, shalom, deliverance, salvation, and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. Verse 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. The force of will in this passage uh, from this commentator is uh, hardly about just a reference to emotion. It is rather a sense with all your will and energy. It echoes the great commandment to love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It is a calling and a hope that despite whatever sin, right? Name your sin. Name the thing that is taking you away from God. There is this idea of reconciliation uh, with God in the very end. And there is hope. You know, God sent you into exile not to get rid of you, but to draw and be closer to you. Let us pray. Our Father God, we come before you. We are thankful uh, for your word. Uh, we thank you for the hope of salvation. I pray that anyone who um, has not accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior would do so, for we are saved by grace through faith, and this, not ourselves, it is the gift of God. Uh, Father, I pray for everyone here. I don't know what sin maybe may have brought them here or why they're here uh, but Lord I do pray that um, may they draw closer to you may they invest in drawing near and that when they do seek you Lord God that they do find you and Lord I pray that you would uh, bring to mind bring to mind that uh, Jesus Christ seeks uh, seeks to reconcile so, Lord, we thank you again for your word. And indeed, may you bring peace and not evil. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.